damn straight indigenous Americans have been fighting terrorism since 1492. It's dope they had that available back in 2010. Anyhow, Bobby needs to go look in on poor Miss uh, Miss Pekatiwa because her daughter called from California because she hasn't heard from her in a while and she's kind of worried. So Bobby gets to the house and knocks on the door to no avail. And he looks through the kitchen window and another window, but he doesn't see anything. However, we see that inside this building, there's a shrine and a lot of candles are freshly lit. And on that shrine is a picture of Heisenberg. Bobby's about to be perished. A shadowy person crosses the screen as Bobby looks away from the window and he walks to the clothesline where there's two coats hanging up. He's alerted by the sound of flies and goes to investigate. And when he walks to the shed where the sound is, there's a ton of them hovering over a blanket. A blanket that has an old woman's feet and bedroom slippers sticking out of it. He calls her back up. And then he gets behind his car and says, whoever's inside, show yourself right now. Well, my guy, you called down the thunder and now you gonna get it. One of the twins comes outside with his hands up. He has one hand up and in his other hand, he's holding an apple. He does not look concerned at all. Bobby tells him to get on his knees and the twin doesn't move. He seems to be looking at Bobby, but he's actually looking past Bobby at the other twin who's approaching Bobby from behind with an axe. And the twin turns and eats the apple that he has in his hand as Bobby gets chopped up like tuna tartare. Welcome to Blood, Meth, and Tears. got that work that's scar that's brandon i'm derek brandon how you doing i'm excellent scar how are you i'm good man you know still do out here doing my thug thistle thug thistle keeping that behind it <laughs> Walt is staring I at a picture. that with a response. Walt is staring at a picture with the same intensity that Ferris Bueller did in the art museum in Chicago. When he gets a call from Skyler, she got the signed divorce papers that he left behind, and she sounds stunned and wants to know how they're going to approach it with Flynn. And Walt thinks that Flynn saw it coming and saw her unhappiness and Skylar retorts my unhappiness my out of the clear blue sky unhappiness she's frustrated and I would be too given Walt's fake ass calm act and his constant gaslighting and she's like well anyway on the child support paperwork you've listed medical dental child care housing no I'm not food. gonna let you get away with that Richard. What? I'm not gonna let you get away with that. Nigga, he gaslit her through when the police came over. He gaslit her through every She aspect. did all of this. No, no, no. She did all of this. All the histrionics leaving the house, making them leave, going to the front tent, telling them it's over. And then now she goes, when he finally signs the papers, now she goes, but what about Walt Jr.? 
how are we going to approach this with Walt Jr.? It's a logical question because she can't tell him your daddy moved out because he's a fucking drug dealer. I mean, I'm saying you didn't think about that uh, any of the other times before now. So, Brandon, would you live unhappily in a life because you couldn't tell your child why Brandy had to leave? No, I would have addressed it a while back. Yeah, like, like she should have. <laughs> she should have addressed this with her son. And then if she would have addressed this in any way, shape, or form with her son, she wouldn't be called a bitch every episode. There's shit in this show that definitely doesn't make sense, and that's one of them. But like I said, I'd be frustrated too dealing with Walt. Walt is a condescending motherfucker. And he's one of them motherfuckers who's like me. The matter you get, the calmer I'm gonna get about it. About it. Just to see you get madder. Yeah, that's that's called that's called working in a call center. It's called being petty as shit, too. Man, oh yeah, yeah. I don't blame Walt for this. I don't blame Walt for this at all. Like, yo, you know, it just got down to the point where I gave you what the fuck you wanted. You and and now you're acting like you're unhappy with the arrangement. I said I'll take care of everything I'm gonna take care of. And you do do what you do. How do we talk? How do we talk uh, talk about this to Walt Jr.? I mean, Walt Jr. clearly can see that there is a problem between his parents. Like shit, that last fucking that 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 dinner that they had, where they all just kind of sitting there, and Walt Jr. is trying to like get initiate conversation. conversation, and they and they, neither of them are budging because they don't fuck with each other. Like they fuck with you, but they don't fuck with each other at all. And like you have to know that. So I think Walt's right on this. He is, but still, I don't think he's gaslighting her. It's like, yo, I just gave you no, he's not gaslighting her in this situation, but in every other part of it, this nigga knows what her concern is, and he just don't give a fuck. I wouldn't give a fuck either. You should give a fuck. If she's like, look, man, I can't have you dealing drugs, and he's like, you're hysterical. That's cute. You know what? I, the the thing about this is like the worst. The worst part about it is I sound like I'm anti Skylar, and really I'm Team Skylar on on most of this, with the exception of Ted. He's like, she's like, look, you're selling, you're literally cooking and making meth, and you're hiding the drug money in our house. Not only that, Skylar, I'm paying the bills with it, so you should have been mad six months ago. Exactly. Like, <laughs> how do you think we've been getting? How how do you think we've been getting by so far? Off your salary? Ah! <laughs> like, this is what God was like. You are a part time bookkeeper. You really think? And, and I've been out on I've been out on medical leave from my teaching job, and we know how much teachers get paid. How the fuck did you think all of this shit was getting paid for? Which is the fucking truth. Yeah, Walt, talk your shit. That's all he wants to do, though. Mm -hmm. He'll take every opportunity to remind her, I get money. So, you know, whatever. No, it's the the power play between them. Skylar has all of the power in this, and Walt is always fighting for his power. Yeah. Because he is powerless at home. So, yeah. 
I mean, so they hang up, and Walt is in a model home looking around, and the guy comes in, and he's like, so how do you like it? And Walt's like, yeah, I like this one. I think I'll pay for this baby straight cash. And the guy's like, yeah, this is the model home, my guy. You can't have this one. And Walt literally goes million-dollar man on that nigga, and he's like, everything has a price. How much? He wants it as is. He don't give a fuck. Gus is teaching his workers in Los Polos Hermanos how to clean the fryers, the soda machine, everything. Gus is on it. I bet their ice cream machine never breaks. Gus is on everything, including the cousins coming in and sitting in the back. Gus sees them immediately. Badger's back and him and Skinny Peter going ape shit about um, Jesse's Hawaiian blue scante. Because it ain't cloudy or dirty or nothing. And it's just the right shade of blue and the crystal size. If it was any bigger, it will be a Jolly Rancher. I wonder how Jolly Ranchers felt about their uh, candy being compared to the size of a piece of crystal meth. But, you know, neither here nor there. Well, the meth, the meth in general is candy already. Very true. Jesse tells Badger, you, you know, you you talking about it. Why don't you, uh, you smell it? Go ahead and inhale it. And Badger's like, well, I feel dickish about smoking while you were in rehab. And Jesse's sitting there looking all calm and rehabbed and stuff. And he's like, you know, I can watch. I can cook and I can watch. I just can't smoke it. And that's the first mistake that addicts make. They think they can get back into the world without any repercussions, but really you need to distance yourself from it so you can wean yourself off of that kind of shit. But anyway, you know, voyeurism, that's his thing. And he tells Badger to go easy and Skinny Pete's like, yeah, man, I'm still coming down from a hit that I took last week. God damn. My nigga like, what? Badger takes a hit and Jesse sits back just waiting for the explosion and then Badger thinks it is so good that this motherfucker starts river dancing and he thinks that it's awesome it feels like someone yeah, the Holy Ghost. right it feels like someone took his brain out and he boiled it in Holy hot Ghost. anthrax that's not a good feeling I would think that doesn't sound good at all that someone took your brain out and boiled it in hot anthrax Jesse decides that he wants to start selling again, but he wants to sell it safe. He wants to sell it smart. He wants to sell it as smart. And Badger agrees that if they don't get greedy, they should be fine. And Skinny agrees that it was all good before they started pressing their luck. But this time they got it. No whammies and shit. And Jesse tells them that step one is inventory. So Badger needs to go and see Clovis and get the RV tuned up. He wants to make sure that he also adds a buzzer. He wants to add a buzzer that will go off with the keys in the ignition. Don't ask questions. Just go get it done. <laughs> Look, we never we said that Jesse is an idiot. We never said that he never learns. He learned from his mistakes like the motherfucker for that one. Skinny Pete's in charge of supplies. And uh Jesse's gonna give him a list. I hope he explains to him why he needs that huge tub, but I doubt it. Uh, they adjourn, and Badger and Skinny Pete leave, but not before Hank spots them both getting into their vehicles. Uh, Walt wakes up and makes a sandwich with the cut, with the crust cut off. R.I.P. Crazy 8. Pour one out for the homie. 
Then he goes and he picks up Flynn, who's not pleased about the divorce. And Walt asks him if he wants to talk about it. And Flynn says, why? It's not like I get a fucking vote. He says right? he also... He says he also doesn't give a vote about who he rides to school with. So now he has to stop riding with Lewis because Walt's feeling guilty. Also, one. Yep. Yeah. He's not eating anything right now. He's just riding in the car. This one. And Walt does feel guilty. He's the man that he is. And there's plenty that he will change about it. But this is just what it is. But he's feeling good about the future. Gus walks into Los Polos Hermanos the next day and the cousins are there again and it's noticed by his manager and she wants to call the police, but he says, you know, they've done nothing wrong. What you going to call them for? What you going to tell the popo? Huh? Nothing. Right? Walt pulls up to the laundry to get to work and he gets to his pristine lab and someone's already there and he introduces himself as Gail. And he tells him that he's Walt's new lab assistant. He received his bachelor's from the University of New Mexico and his master's from the University of Colorado. And he majored in organic chemistry with a specialty in x-ray crystallography. And Walt's pleased because, uh-huh, that's his shit. Right? I could talk about this for hours. He says, I could talk about this all day. He sound like He sound like Captain America with that shit. I could do this all day. And Gail's like, I would love to. Nah, he don't. He know. He know. Uh, like Walt know a nerd when he see one. Nah, he sound like no a nerd. Yeah, like he's a setup. Mm. So, Gail's like, I would love to talk about it, but first. Walt has questions about a pet project that Gail has going on, and it's a scientific way to make coffee. And Walt literally rolled his eyes back in his head like he's getting the best blowy in the world. And he says, oh, my God, it's the best coffee that he's ever tasted. And Gail says, well, there are Sumatran uh, beans. But he also has to give credit to the grind. And one million trappers and Killer Mike all salute in unison. He calls Walt Mr. White again, and Walt's like, please, just call me Walt. And, you know, Jesse never got that privilege because Gail's the shit. And Jesse is a junkie imbecile. Gail's a peer. Jesse's a child to him. And Jesse will always be a child to him. And a junkie imbecile. Yes. And he asks him why, if he can make coffee that good, are they making meth? And they play lovely music in the background while a montage plays of them cooking perfect meth while also taking time out to play chess. They work together like peas and carrots. It's beautiful music, and it's beautiful music. After they're done for a break, Gail asks Walt about the phenylate, the phenylas, the phenylacetic acid solution. Because Walt said 150 drops per minute for the first 10 minutes and then 90 for the remainder. And Gail wants to know why. And Walt says that his thinking is that by tapering the fennel, you'll get an oily aqueous layer and hence better benzene extraction. Although Walt prefers ether, just like Brandon. 
Gail says that he'll have the ether the next day. And Walt's wondering how Gail ended up there instead of being a genius chemist. And Gail says, I'm a libertarian, a libertarian. And if I'm not supplying the drugs, they'll get it from somewhere else. So at least if I'm making it, they'll get the perfect batch without any adulterants or toxins. He was pursuing a doctorate in Colorado and was jumping through hoops and kissing ass, doing all the non-chemistry things that you have to do to thrive in that world. But he loves the lab because it's still magic. Chemistry is magic. And all the while, he's thinking of the great Walt Whitman poem, when I heard the learned, when I heard the learned astronomer. And Walt asks him to recite it because he doesn't know it. And Gail says, when I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures were ranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them, when I sitting heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in a lecture room, how soon unaccountable I became tired and sick, till rising and gliding out I wandered off by myself in the mystical moist night air from time to time, looked up in perfect silence at the stars. It's one of the most boring poems I've ever heard in my life. Like, seriously, that was a bad poem. You're muted, bro. Yeah, but um, Brandon, Brandon, remember Walt Whitman. Hank is still staking out Jesse's house, waiting for him to break the law, break the law. And he's also eating hella junk food. I thought he was breaking the law. Yeah, but, you know, I can't say he's waiting for him to break in the law. It doesn't really flow well. Yeah, but you grammatically. I mean, who cares about grammatically? It's a song. I do. I mean, he's waiting for him to break in the law or break in the law. It doesn't. Okay, fine. fine. It's Marie who wants to know if he's ever coming back home. She wants to know. Why he can't just arrest Jesse and make him tell him where the RV is. And uh, Hank's like, until he leads me to it, there's nothing I can do to wait, but wait. And Marie tells Hank to call Walt, so he does. And he tells Walt that he's working a case and he would never put him on the spot. But back when Walt was lost in the store, butt naked, and they came to find him, Hank found out about him and Jesse's relationship. And he knows that Jesse used to spell Walt a little wowie zowie. And he doesn't care because as far as Hank's concerned, Walt never inhaled. What Hank wants to know is if Jesse ever had an RV. That gets Walt's attention. And Hank gives a perfect description of the vehicle. And when Walt asks him why he's looking, Hank tells him that he believes that Jesse has graduated from selling weed to selling meth. And he's using the RV as a rolling lab. As a rolling lab. Walt is stunned. Jesse's in his living room doing calculations when Walt, at, when Walt calls him in and doesn't know what to say initially, so he hangs up. So then Walt groaned and calls Saul. And he asks if the line they're on is secure. And when Saul says yes, Walt tells him about Hank and the RV. And Saul tells him. Saul says, what does that mean? 
And Walt clarifies that Hank knows that it exists and he's trying to find it, but he's definitely linked it to Jesse. And it's only a matter of time before Hank tracks it down. Oh, and it has Walt's fingerprints all over it. Yep. And Saul's like, get the fuck rid of it, or even better, have Jesse get rid of it because Walt, you shouldn't go near it. And Walt tells Saul that Hank is surveying Jesse's house, so he might have it bugged or have his phone tapped or something. And Saul says, well, back to plan A, which is where you mean by Saul? Oh, you mean the wires? Yeah, he probably saw the show. They got it. They got it. They they probably got his shit bugged. I don't think Hank would do that. Honestly, I don't think Hank would take those steps. I don't see Hank as being that good of a fucking cop. Yeah, well, I mean, he's already taken uh, a bunch of steps too far already. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't see him as being that good of a cop at all. Uh, Saul says that Walt needs to go and get to the RV before the feds do. And Walt says, and then what? Because it's RV size and it isn't something that's easily vanished. And Saul says, why the fuck didn't you plan for this contingency? What's the valid question? And when Walt says, because I didn't think of it. Saul says, well, next time you need to, because even the Starship Enterprise had a self-destruct button. So Walt hangs up on that nigga. <laughs> Badger asked Clovis why he didn't invent a water power car. A I like Saul even more. Saul, so he has his moments. Yeah. Badger, Badger asked Clovis why he doesn't invent a water-powered car since he's good with tools and all. Walt pulls up and asks why the RV's out in the open. And Clovis is like, who are you? And Badger's like, that's Heisenberg. Shut the fuck up, dude. Right? Walt, Walt asks if the RV is drivable. And Clovis says, well, I was just changing the oil. So, yeah, it is. And Walt says, well, we're going to wipe it down and drive it out to the desert. And he tells Badger to help him out. And Clovis asks what's going on. And Walt tells him the DEA knows all about the RV and is trying to find it right that moment. And Clovis is like, get that shit the fuck off my property. And Walt says, well, we need to rig it to burn. And Clovis says they ain't doing it down there and to get it gone. And Walt says, well, if I go down, all y'all niggas going down. I ain't never had a problem with my snitch game. It works well. And Clovis says, well, I know a guy who will wipe the RV off the planet. No questions asked. And Walt says to call him. And Jesse's like, what are Badger's like, what about Jesse? And Walt says sarcastically, what about him? So Badger calls Jesse. And I guess he doesn't give him all the information because Jesse runs out of his house screaming about finding out where they're taking it. And he says that as he's jumping into his car and peeling off into the street. And Hank is watching the whole time and calmly tells Jesse as he speeds off. That whole fucking thing is stupid and could have been avoided if Badger had just explained what the fuck was going on. Yes, absolutely. Bad, Badger could have told him the whole thing instead of telling him that, oh, yeah, they're getting rid of the RV. Like, no. They looking at you. You shouldn't come here. Badger is Badger's a dumb motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Could have been easily taken care of, not for Badger. A white woman tries to carry her way into uh, the cousin's seats at Los Pollos Hermanos. Uh, but as we fucking know, they look at her and I'm not fucking leaving. 
Cynthia, however, the manager approaches them, but Gus says he'll handle it. He then tells them that they'll talk in Spanish or talk at sunset in Spanish and they leave. No one else in New Mexico in that restaurant speaks Spanish and could hear what they were saying at that time. Like, seriously, Walt is paying $100,000 to an old white man to get the RV obliterated and ask him to call Walt a cab. Walt says he'll be right behind him, but first he needs to make sure he doesn't leave anything behind. And he looks at all their cooking equipment when Jesse pulls up screaming at him. And Walt realizes that if Jesse's there, then Hank is there too. And lo and behold, Hank is pulling up. They're trapped in the RV. And Jesse has led Hank right to him. Trapped in the RV. I knew you were going to do that. Hank is parked right behind the RV and puts the gun into his pocket. That's not safe. No. He walks up to the RV with his hands in his pockets and tries to gain access to the windows, but they're locked. Then he goes to the door, but it's also locked. However, he hears Jesse inside, and so he asks him if he wants to add resistance the rest to his record, because it's no skin off his ass. He then goes and gets a tire jack and tries to pry the door open, but Walt holds it closed. The old man asks him if he has a warrant, because the old man shows up out of nowhere and tells him that he's also the owner of the lot, which is private property, and that the RV's locked, so Hank is breaking and entering. So he wants to know if he has a warrant. And Hank tells him that he doesn't need a warrant because he has probable cause. And the man says a probable cause usually refers to vehicles, but the RV is a domicile, a residence, man, and thus protected by the Fourth Amendment from unlawful search and seizure. He continues by asking Hank if he saw the RV get driven onto the lot, and how does he know if it runs? It seems that he's just out there fishing. And he doesn't see that holding up in a court of law. Hank sees the tape over the door, the bullet holes in the door, and peels them down and says, well, that's enough for a judge or two to find it as probable cause. And Walt, who also now knows the law perfectly, every old black man is a is an expert in the law. You try and do something, old black man going to pop out the bush like, nah, nigga, don't do that. That's five to ten. Right. Both of these old white men know exactly what's going on. Walt says to tell Jesse to say, how did you know there were bullet holes there before you took off the tape? And the older white man says Jesse's right because probable cause needs to be readily apparent. Jesse then says, urged by Walt, that it's his own private domicile and he won't be harassed, bitch. Hank says fine and says that his guys will go and get a warrant. He then goes to his car and calls his office to get the warrant, but he ain't fucking leaving. Jesse wants to start the RV up and ram the shit out of Hank's car, but then Hank will shoot him in the head, so he begs Walt to think of something, and Walt does. He calls someone and tells him that he needs his help. And a phone call goes to Hank from Elaine Tanner from the Albuquerque Police. Marie's been in a car accident, and she's being airlifted to the hospital and will be arriving shortly. She doesn't have any information past that, but he may want to get there soon. And Hank hops in his car, and Saul's secretary hangs up the phone and tells Saul that she needs him to pay her more. Saul then breaks the phone in half. You know it would be a good idea 
Hank, to sit there for just one second, collect your bearings. And call your wife. Call your wife. Or if you're worried about your wife, call the Albuquerque police and ask, hey, is there an Elaine Tanner there? May I speak to her? But this should have been the biggest clue of somebody who knows him really well is involved with this shit once, mm. he, once he realizes this is a ruse. Mm-hmm. But nope, because Hank is stupid as shit. He is the dumbest. Hank speeds off and makes it to the hospital in record time, and he's yelling and screaming looking for Marie when she calls him on the cell phone. Like, hey, what do you want for dinner? I'm thinking Chinese. He's calling the okey-doke, and he's furious. Meanwhile, the RV gets forklifted and absolutely demolished. Then after it gets demolished, it gets put in the crusher and gets demolished further. When he gets back, ain't nothing going to be there. Gus is driving out to a dirt road area to meet the cousins, and he tells them again that they will not kill Walt until his work with him is finished. The cousins say they won't wait any longer, and Gus tells them that they'll have to because the decision isn't theirs to make. Then he asks what's so important about Walt. Yes, he betrayed their cousin Tuco, but he ain't the one who murdered him. That was a DEA agent who pulled the trigger. And the cousins say, yeah, a DEA agent that Balser says is off limits. And Gus is like, well, north of the border is my territory. So it's my say. And as a show of respect. It's my shit. As a show of respect, he says, yes, you can kill him. And the agent's name is Hank Schrader. And may his death satisfy you. Here's the problem. The one thing that they, um, that the the trivia for this episode uh, admits, Hank absolutely had probable cause. How? He knows it's stolen. Oh yeah, <laughs> he knows it's stolen. So that's his probable cause. He knows for a fact it has been stolen. He met the owner, and the owner said. Her son stole it. He knows that it's stolen. Hmm. He already had probable cause. Huh. So. It's wild, right? Right. I didn't even think about that. I don't think they did either. So the things to keep in mind for this episode, according to Joe, shout out, is um, the Salamancas harassing Gus's staff to get to him. Mm-hmm. Gail and his Walt Whitman poems. Yep. Uh, Saul's ankle massager. Uh, the bullet holes to shine a light on Walt. Francesca getting her hands dirty. I forgot uh, about her because I, I mean, you know, because I've, because this is the first time, is this the first time she showed up in this? Yeah, maybe first or second. Snapping cell phones in half and the shot of Gus meeting the twins in the desert. Scar, you got anything? I'm still working, dog. Okay. 916-633-1537. Uh, return to Oswald at gmail.com. Brandon's on Twitter at that cool black nerd. Black is spelled B-L-K. Scar is on Twitter at Scarfinger. And I'm there at Ratchet Book Club. 
You can leave a review for the show on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review for the show on um, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into the Good Pods app and then copy and paste that into the Apple Podcast app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. You can buy us a drink. And you can go to the Good Pods app and leave a tip in the tip jar. And then just a tip. Thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. Peace out.